Golden State Warriors return to a familiar place. They're on top of the NBA world. They've reached the summit of the Avalanche for 2022 Stanley Cup champions. Well, it's your favorite podcast back again for future considerations. Episode 164. Can you believe it? 164. Thanks for coming along for the ride. My name is Manny. My buddy Matt's here. And we've got a third fella that usually hangs out with us. But before we get to him, Matt, you know, when we look back, how you doing, buddy, by the way? I I'm, ask I'm, you. I'm good. I'm feeling a little bit better. How are you? I'm all right. I'm, in, I'm actually in Toronto uh, today for a conference. So... I'm in Toronto, uh, you're in Windsor, and uh, we'll get to the third party in just a moment. I was excited to hear you were in Toronto with, with all the excitement happening in the city. I assumed when you were going to come on here that you were either going to be riding on something or something else was going to be riding on you. So it's good to see that you <laughs> made it back to the hotel. <laughs> the sirens just stopped. I could imagine. So, yeah, so, so the sirens just stopped. So... It's good. Um, you know, when we look back at our lives, Matt, like, can can you think of something that you've done in your life where you're like, wow, I never expected I would do that. But now I can call myself, oh, you know, like, let's take a shot in the dark, like a certified veterinarian. Did, right. Like, have, has that ever happened to you in your life where you've done something where you're like, wow. I can't believe I did that. You know, when I was working at the radio station, uh, 97.1, 100.7 The Rock in Windsor, Essex, Chatham, Kent, um, the co-host of the morning show there for a few years, we did a thing called Dirty Jobs. So we went around and did other people's dirty jobs. We cleaned Porter Johns. We also went to a farm where they um, got some fluids out of some animals to reproduce those animals but it was all done under heavy supervision and and like the really the the brains of the operation were there just kind of guiding us and pointing us in a direction we were certainly not doing this alone or, uh, or like to say in a car or something like that it, it was all very well supervised so so you you've never given birth to an animal in in like a car, for example, have you or anything like that? There's a few things I've done in a car <laughs> that probably won't make the cut on this show. <laughs> but delivering an animal is absolutely not on that list. Right. So I, I have never done that. Right. right. The, cl- right. the cl- closest of I've come to anything with animals is like milking a cow. Right. Uh, right. Right. And stuff like that. I feel like this could be the answer of like, you know, you do those two truths and a lie at work to get to know somebody. <laughs> Who the hell is going to guess this one? Right. So let's bring in the third guy, the the third guy in our threesome, so to speak. Uh, John Rashad. Hello, guys. How, how you doing? The doctor's in. So, so anything happen of late that you can contribute to this conversation? No, no, not that I can think of. How about oh the breakup? My, my God, guys. So for the reason we started the show this way is because John Rashad, the man of many talents, producer extraordinaire, um, um, 
certified pizza lover. Um, <laughs> he is um, a music aficionado. Yeah. Um, but now we call him Dr. Rashad because he is a veterinarian. <laughs> After delivering not one, not two, but ten puppies. Ten. Ten. And Matt, where did he do it? In the back of a car. (laughs) (laughs) What's going on, Dr. Rashad? Oh, my God. I have PTSD, guys. (laughs) Like, it is... I've seen things. <laughs> <laughs> and now so, you've seen even more things. Uh-huh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. So I don't I don't even know if I mentioned that we were fostering a dog on this on this show. I can't remember if we talked about it or not. So we uh, found out the dog was pregnant. We knew that. And so I went in. I was told to go into the vet, um, the rescue that we uh, rescued this dog for. Um, They wanted us to just foster it for a couple of weeks. And then once the dog was going to get uh, close to giving birth, we would return the dog to the rescue and they would uh, they would take care of the rest. So I go into the vet on Friday afternoon and they say, "Okay, we're going to check and see. We're going to do an X-ray, let you know how many puppies are are inside this dog that uh, you are currently uh, having at your house. So they come out and they go, well, there are a lot of dogs inside this dog. (laughs) And then they said, we have four veterinarians standing around trying to count the skulls and skeletons and match them up to see how many there actually are. We think there might be nine. There may be more. And so they said, um, probably about a week or so away. So you don't have anything to worry about. As long as you return this dog to the rescue by next Friday, you'll be fine. Of course. <laughs> so and this this was last Friday. This was last Friday. Okay. So, yeah. So last night, my wife gets home from Winnipeg, and I'm barbecuing hamburgers. We just decided, oh, we'll just. Uh, I've been up with this dog because this dog's had to go to the bathroom every three hours all weekend long. So I've hardly gotten any sleep. So we thought we're gonna have hamburgers on the barbecue, quick, easy supper, go to bed early. Well, as I'm barbecuing. Jill, my wife, says um, she seems really uncomfortable. She's making a lot of noise. This seems to be a bit of a problem, but she can't settle. And I thought, okay, well, I've been dealing with this all weekend. She'll be fine. She goes, no, 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 no. This is different. She's like, I think this dog might be in labor. And I'm like, well, the dog can't be in labor. She's not supposed to go into labor for another five days. Right. So Jill gets her prepped on a bed, on her dog bed, gets plastic underneath her, and out comes a puppy. The whole, like, the the sack that the puppy comes in, the whole thing comes out, and there all of a sudden is a newborn puppy in my kitchen, <laughs> in this dog bed. Wow. Wow. So we try texting the rescue, and the rescue is not answering. So we're like, yeah. what the hell are we going to do? Like, we know there's eight more of these things. Like, oh, my God. Like, we're going to have to deliver eight puppies in in my kitchen. So finally, the rescue says, well, sometimes these uh, puppies will take about an hour in between each one. So get in the car, load the dog in with her puppy on this bed and drive to me in Brantford. And by the time you get here, hopefully no other dogs have been born. So Jill preps the OR. She's got tarps. She's got towels. She's got water, plastic gloves for me. It's like plastic down the whole thing. And as we're driving from my house to Brantford, two and a half hours, 
10 puppies come into the world and I'm helping get them out out into the world and uh, get them out of their little sack that they're in and get them nursing. So John Rashad, who won't eat his lunch without washing his hands up to his elbows, (laughs) delivers 10 puppies in the space of two and a half hours. Oh my God. It was the worst moment of my life. It was absolutely (laughs) terrifying. So Jill's driving. I'm like, well, here's puppy number two. And 20 minutes later, here's puppy number three. Here comes puppy number four. And they just came 20 minutes apart the entire drive. Wow. Jill stopped for a snack on the way. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I forgot. Uh, I got to get some pictures developed. I'll be right back. Uh, <laughs> Do you want to fry? To, we need to stop for a coffee. Want anything? <laughs> Yeah! <laughs> wow, and this is not this is not a large car. This is not an SUV, right? No, no, this is like a Honda uh, crossover, whatever that is, uh, HRV. Wow! And so yeah, so uh, Bruno and Jill are in the front seat. John and the uh, foster dog are in the back seat, and all hell is breaking loose. <laughs> so and and the dogs are doing fine. Yep, we uh, one wouldn't nurse properly, so I made sure that I taught it how to do it. I kept moving it around until it finally latched on, and then look at what, you. The, yeah, and then the tenth one was born, and uh, Mom was still cleaning off number nine, so she didn't even notice the tenth one had been born. So then she had to get the dog out of its sack and uh, and start feeding it and cleaning it off. So yeah, all ten lived; they're all doing well, and Mom is doing as well as well. Wow. I'm speechless. Right? We'll talk to you next week. (laughs) What are we supposed to do here? Yeah, nothing we say will top that. Except for the fact that why does Jill have all that material? (laughs) Great. Yeah, why does she have tarps and plastic and all this stuff at the ready? Yeah, I don't know. Gloves and. Does she have a, like a shovel too? Like uh, I think she does. She does have a shovel in the back of her. <laughs> Guys, I might be in trouble. You're married well, to not- Dexter. <laughs> well, well I- not, not anymore. She's going to keep you around because you can deliver babies. Dogs today? Are we talking about calves tomorrow? Like, uh huh. So and like, John- if you can, if anyone knows me. Like, I don't like getting dirty. I don't like getting my fingernails dirty. I don't, I will not eat food unless I've washed my hands thoroughly. And this is what I dealt with last night. <laughs> so, so, John, honest question. Mm-hmm. How much money are you going to get out of this? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'm getting a cent out of this. What? Nope. That was just a favor? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think so. I don't think I get anything out of this. Do you get a car cleaning out of this? <laughs> can, you, can you pay for an oil change or something, maybe? <laughs> yeah, what? at least cover my gas. Come on. Wow. Well, John, <laughs> if if this doesn't work out, we now know that you can start a veterinarian business. Yep, yep, I think I can. That's amazing. <laughs> wow. Matt, I don't know if we'll ever top I hope not. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 
it was a horrible turn of events that really ended up uh, where we were there. The, oh, the, day we, the day we come into this show, Manny, and you and I say, hey, John, I got one for you. That's the last <laughs> episode we do. That's the last one. <laughs> Ever. That's Guaranteed. You'll, <laughs> you'll never see us again. <laughs> Where else are you going to get this conversation in the podcast world, right? That's Stephen true. A. Smith ain't delivering dogs <laughs> in the backseat of his car. <laughs> oh. Well, the line of the night was um, when Jill was up there in the front seat with our dog, Bruno, he wouldn't settle and she had a mask hanging um, somewhere around the console or whatever. And I guess Bruno was like panting or whatever. And he uh, ended up drooling into her mask. And so Jill goes, oh, my God. She's like, I can't wear this mask ever again. She's like, I got to throw it out. Bruno drooled in it. That's gross. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I have dog placenta on my hands. If that makes you feel any better. <laughs> <laughs> Come here, honey. You want a hug? Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. Well, yep. you're not going to get this type of conversation <laughs> anywhere else. And this is a great question for you listening in because uh, we thank you for being a part of the podcast and listening every week. But let's throw it out there. Can you top John Rashad's story? Send us an email for future considerations <laughs> at gmail.com. And I wow. promise never to use the word placenta ever again on this podcast. Oh, I, I guarantee you'll use it. Yeah. <laughs> By the end of the show. Yeah. How, what's the over under on the word placenta for this show? It's, it's at 0.5. And I heard the song for Pump It or Dump It. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're gonna get to that one. Oh man thanks again for listening yeah and please subscribe because i mean where else, where else are we gonna go here to this podcast on your favorite platforms let your friends know join the debate share like quote whatever whatever you do twitter doesn't work anymore so figure yeah. out something else <laughs> Well, and now that I've totally sidetracked us with that story, <laughs> let's get started with the debate. There was the adjustment. The Toronto Argonauts of the 2022 Grey Cup champions, they upset the Winnipeg Blue Bombers 24-23 in the 109th Grey Cup on Sunday to win the CFL championship. Did you guys watch and what did you think of the game? I didn't watch because I actually drove to Toronto that night. Um, for a while, though, it was pretty boring. It was like 4 nothing at one point. Right. <laughs> yes. In this football game, I'm like, what is going on in this game? <laughs> but that single point after the yes. missed field goal was the difference in yep. this football game. That's as, right. As And the Blue Bombers choked this game away. Like, I thought it was over after Janarian Grant ran 102 yards on a punt return to the end zone. But yeah. then the kicker missed the extra point, and yeah. the Blue Bombers end up losing, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and if you have back-to-back -back kicks blocked yes. at, at the end of the game. What a debacle. Like, what kind <laughs> of sport are we watching where the game is decided by a single point in the end because the guy missed a field goal? You actually did something poor but got a single point for it. Mm -hmm. 
And that's what happened. My, my parents watched the NFL and they phoned me and they were like, how did Toronto get a single point? Can you explain <laughs> this to us? And then I have to explain the dumbest rule in all of professional <laughs> sports to an NFL family. <laughs> Poor uh, Caleros. What a, what a terrible, terrible stain on his legacy. He's such a great player and just a, not a good game. The worst, probably the worst game of his career in, in any kind of recent memory. So yeah, we'll see if the Bombers are back next year, but man, oh man, Toronto outclassed them that entire game. And they did it with a backup quarterback. That's who, right. Who came in and they, like so many things happened in this game. Guy runs for 102 yards in a kickoff. Kicker misses it. The extra point. Uh, the Argos have a backup QB that comes in. They win the game by a single point because your kicker missed a field goal. Um, and the Blue Bombers, who were out in front comfortably with a chance to win their third championship in a row, choke it away. Unbelievable. Matt, you yeah. called it, though. You said the game would be decided by kickers. I said kickers, and I said Argos, and I laid this whole thing out for you, and you couldn't have, <laughs> couldn't have been more correct. On Grey Cup Sunday, uh, my, uh, finally, my recognition <laughs> that I deserve for being a CFL analyst has finally taken off. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> no, I, Did you watch any of it? No, not a second of it. No, I, I saw I – was, I was checking some of the updates on, uh, on my phone, and then I was watching the score, and um, at one point it was like – I was about to lay some good money on Winnipeg because it was late in the game and Toronto was still up or they were tied. And I was like, well, this is Winnipeg tied it. And I, well, this is where it all just goes to hell. But uh, no, it, it, it never happened. Like, John, you and I always have this conversation every year. Uh-huh. John always says the Super Bowl or the Grey Cup is better than the Super Bowl. As somebody that watches the CFL to somebody that doesn't, <laughs> Mm. On a scale of one to ten, am I supposed to be impressed by by what happened there? Or like if the Super Bowl this year ends up being three nothing, is it a better game than the Grey Cup was? Yeah, that was not a well played game, my God. It was exciting. It was close. It was unpredictable, but that was not a good game. <laughs> but it was close. Like every great cup is close, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It always is. Um, if any of our American listeners, if you have, if you have ESPN plus, um, you can get this game on demand. So if you want to see the most Canadian football game you've ever seen in your life, go and watch the great cup. <laughs> it know, is unreal. My, our, our buddy Curtis messaged me on Sunday saying, happy great cup day. And I asked him the next day, how about that one for a barn burner? And he hasn't even responded. So I'm assuming he's still just jaw dropped at trying to figure out what he watched. (laughs) And, And there was a good chat going on in our fantasy football league as well about the CFL and the great cup. A lot of bombers fans were disappointed that they choked it away. Now, um, we were having a chat in our group chat on Sunday as well. Um, John, you were disgusted by the fact that the game was used simulcast on radio using the TV broadcast with Rod the Bod and Glenn Suter. Like the one thing that I noticed listening to it is that it seemed like the crowd noise audio was jacked up 
And I could not understand at times what Rod was calling play by play because the crowd knows audio was so jacked up. Like I didn't know uh, Chad Kelly ran for 20 yards in, right. in that scramble in the fourth quarter because all I heard was and I'm like, what the hell just happened? Yeah, the mix was hot on TV too, but at least you could see it. Yeah, but okay. man, the sound was terrible in that game. And so that's the thing is on TV, at least you can see it. And then sometimes they don't even announce what's happening till it's over. So if you're listening on radio, you're waiting 20 seconds to be like, what the hell happened? Like, I can't believe they didn't have a dedicated radio broadcast to that. And I feel bad for Winnipeg fans because if you're in Winnipeg, the one station carries the bom- the bombers all year long, and then for the Grey Cup, TSN Radio has the rights, and they put on a TV simulcast, so you don't even get your hometown announcer in the championship game. It's it's ridiculous. They've got to change that. And the three of us have talked about this before, right, um, Matt? You know, you and I always talk about this is the fact that these TV broadcasters will be like, well, you hear it, you see at the bottom of your screen there, the flag is thrown, or yeah. and I'm like. <laughs> That doesn't work on radio. No, and all you can see this guy coming out of the corner. Yeah, you can't see, man. I'm in a car <laughs> delivering babies. There's placenta everywhere. I'm trying to figure out who won the great cup. Well, what they did in Vancouver years ago as a Canucks fan is they put the radio broadcast on TV and it was a radio broadcast. So they would just put they would basically turn up the radio broadcast on TV. So you got great description. And I don't know why more broadcasting companies don't do it that way. Like, treat it like it's a radio broadcast on television, Mm -hmm. and then the announcer is going to say everything you need to hear. And it it makes it so much better. I don't know why they do it backwards. It's true. It drives me crazy. The fan experience is not very good. No. No, not at all. Well, we should probably get to uh, that other. There's another sporting event going on right now. It's a little bit big around the world. Uh, of course, we're talking about the World Cup. There has already been a ton of drama from Argentina losing to Saudi Arabia with that fantastic call and England scoring six goals in their match against Iran. Have you guys been watching? No, but what I have been watching is a bunch of Saudi Arabians throwing doors out of their house in celebration. If you haven't seen that, <laughs> that, was great. that was great. That was great. Again, call of the call of the tournament already on that goal because on the first shot that gets stopped, it's he, he's doing the oh the whole way through. Yes, I look at my phone and they still hadn't scored the goal, and then they scored the goal, and there was a celebration afterwards. So good for good for Saudi Arabia, England, who I've got in the final already rolling. Canada is going to beat Belgium. This is already set up to be a great tournament. The uh, so you were as puzzled as I was, right? Because I saw obviously was watching the English feed this morning uh, or early Tuesday morning. Um, but then 
when I saw that video on social media, I'm like, what is he screaming about? The ball's not even in the net. Is there like a delay here? Yeah. Or what's going on? And then the ball goes into the net and the, the goal calls even greater. Oh, I, it's, <laughs> it's amazing. It's It sounded like uh, Jill in the car when John was – had his hands deep in placenta. It was like, it was unbelievable. <laughs> like, and and England scoring six goals in a match. Matt, that's right up your alley, right? Isn't that what you've always complained about soccer is there's not a lot of offense? No, that I can watch. That's, that's, that I can, stay, I can stay in tune to. Like, the net is bigger than the car that John is driving to deliver babies in. In the back seat. With his hands full of placenta. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's, it's, now, see, that I can get on board for. Give me a 6-5 <laughs> World Cup game all the time. That's better than any Grey Cup there's ever been. <laughs> and I got to hand it to the BBC. I was watching the first match on the BBC just to see how they were covering it. Um, they did a pregame show. We talked about soccer for the first eight minutes, and then the next 22 minutes of the next half hour, they talked about how corrupt FIFA was and how bad it was that they were having it uh, in Cotter. They really went to town on it. For a rights holder, they were not showing any love to FIFA, I'll tell you that. That's great. I love it. That's hilarious. The criticism is well-deserved. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Well, in that Argentina game... They had three goals disallowed for being offside with the new VAR rules. And uh, we received a great question from Adrian in Port Elgin about the rules that if any body part, like a hand or an arm is offside, then the player is offside. Adrian wants to know what we think of that rule. Well, the rule before is if it was a foot, it didn't matter what other body part. If your foot was offside, then you're offside. Now they're counting body parts? Like... Come on, what are we doing here? Like the pos- the offside rule has to do with positioning, and your feet are the reason why you're in prime positioning. Unless you're diving for a ball, then you're you're in the action of trying to score a goal. This seems ridiculous to me that we're now counting hands and arms and other body parts to count offside. Like if we if we transition this to the game of hockey, like your arms can be offside, but if your skate blade is over the blue line before the puck crosses the blue line, then you're offside. That seems really cut and dry. And I I think the VAR rules should be really cut and dry. And if your foot is offside, great. But if your your hand is offside, that that shouldn't matter whatsoever. I agree, because you're not going to play the ball with your hand. So exactly. your hand has no relevance in this whatsoever. That is a ridiculous rule. That, that's 100% where, where I was going to go with it, John. You, you can't even use your hand or your arm. So if what does it matter that it's over top? And especially with soccer, I mean, we see it in hockey and we see, you know, the player ends up being offside. The play ends up staying in that zone for 15, 20 seconds. There's a couple of passes and then they score. Does the offside actually have any relevance to the goal? I think is something that should be challengeable to say the least. 
And in soccer, the zones are that much bigger. The ball moves so much more. In a lot of cases, they even kick it back off onside or offside, whatever you want to call it, to regroup and go back in. So it, it, the first point, it doesn't even matter. This, this is this doesn't make any sense because the only thing you can use in soccer is your head and your feet. If your head or your feet are offside, sure, call it. But nothing else should even count because you can't use it anyways. And speaking of soccer, big news around Cristiano Ronaldo after his explosive interview with Piers Morgan. Ronaldo and Manchester United have mutually parted ways. We did get a few questions about this as well from Zach and Spencer and Mark. What do you guys think of all of this? This is just the world of North American sports where the players have all the power transitioning to European soccer now. And um, obviously there's plenty of blame to go around with all this, but, you know, a lot of people think Ronaldo looks bad, but I think Manchester United looks just as bad in this. Um, Here's a guy who scored, you paid a lot of money to get him to your club from Juventus. He scored 24 goals in 39 games. Very respectable. He led the team in scoring with that mark. But they fired their coach at that time, hired an interim guy who nobody liked, got rid of him, and then hired this new coach who said Ronaldo's going to be a huge part of their plans, but then he only plays him in four games, only started him four times. That's not a huge part of your game. And then the organization goes, um, we don't believe you that your kid had to go to the hospital and that's why you had to miss a game. You mess with a man's family, especially the greatest goal scorer of all time, then all bets are off. He can say whatever he wants. And he did. He criticized the owners. He criticized the manager. He criticized former teammates. Like, he obviously did not want to play there. And the only reason... The only way he saw out of that because they disrespected him and his family was to do this. It's it's now what players are doing in, in professional sports. Yeah, I have to say, I don't blame him. I mean, he has earned enough respect as one of the greatest players in history to, if he says he's not able to play because of a family concern, I mean, he loves to play. He's a competitor of the highest order. He's not going to make that up. Great point. This is a top 10 all-time player in in soccer, in Cristiano Ronaldo. Top 10? Top, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Maybe top, top 10. 10. <laughs> maybe top 10. The only thing I don't like about it that ends up being a little too a little too Hollywood and a little too dramatic and a little too today's athlete is the interview. To go on the show and blast everybody – you know, this can be done a million different ways. You can step away and and separate yourself from the club. You can go through whatever process you need to go through with them behind closed doors. Eventually, it's going to come out anyways because of the world that we live in and the the individual that we're talking about. It's it's a little too self gratifying for me in the comparison of very different topics, but in the comparison of taking, I'm taking my talents to South beach. Like we get it. Okay. You've been clearly wronged. All the information that you're providing, if you're right, is more than fair to not be happy with the situation to do the, the whole talk show thing. And, and it comes across a little woe is me, but his points are very valid. And I have no problem with him wanting to leave that club after that. 
It's interesting, too, that um, I heard, I don't know if this is accurate or not, but I was following a World Cup podcast, and they were saying that his uh, World Cup teammates were not impressed with this because now they're all being asked about it when they just want to get in there and get playing soccer. Right, and there's a few people on the Portuguese team that actually play at Manchester United or Mm -hmm. did with Ronaldo, right? And Bruno Fernandes was one of those players uh, that had to speak up. Um, but there's going to be plenty of teams that want Ronaldo in the future. PSG, Chelsea, Roma, Napoli. Those are some of the rumored teams that are going to pay up and try to get Ronaldo to play. Um, I, I hear what you're saying, Matt, but in today's day and age, after the LeBron take my talents to South Beach interview, like we, we shouldn't really be surprised that more players feel that they have power and and they're going to – influence the situation for sure not surprised at all just don't like the move yeah I, it's, it's i don't i i hear that i don't like that either because the other thing too matt sorry to interrupt was now the spotlight's on him in the oh, biggest yeah. tournament in the world and if he doesn't perform he's gonna look even more like an ass yeah it's a tough uh you know not that it's a tough position for him but like he's now, like you said, he's got to have a World Cup or very quickly at the end of this, the the not necessarily public opinion, but the thought process of of losing him is really going to be like, well, yeah, I mean, he's 37, 38 years old. He was he only played four games this year. He's getting old. He had a terrible World Cup. I mean, maybe Ronaldo just has to come to the realization that it's it's kind of over for him. But. No, it's. I, I think we're on the same page. I don't like the move, uh, but now it's you know look anywhere and you're going to see a player that's commenting about something that's outside of of the club walls on social media or in interviews or something like that. It's never been something that I've liked, but I'm certainly not surprised that we don't see more of it. Can you believe what we just saw? This is incredible. You know, guys, I got to be honest. Unbelievable. My God. Oh, wow. Now it's time for our play of the week. And what a proud moment. The winner is from the world of Canadian football. It's the blocked field goal by the Argos with the chance for the Blue Bombers to win it in the final minute of the Grey Cup. That play won a CFL play, won with 50% of the votes. Wow. Well done, everyone. Wow, John. I don't know what you're more proud of. The CFL play being the play of the week or the fact that you had your hands 10 inches deep in doggy placenta and you (laughs) delivered 10 dogs. What are you more proud of, buddy? Hmm, yeah, it's it's close. It's almost a tie, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, it caused quite a debate, too, on social media. A lot of people, uh, Scott, you know, when Sam was like, if the CFL play doesn't win it, then this is a, this is a joke. Well, in the end, it did win, Scott. It won. It won. As it should, right? It's a championship yeah, game. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah. 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 Our play of the week. Brought to you by London Awnings, quality that shows. And remember to vote on next week's poll. We will post the options on Monday. You can always get the details on Podcast FFC on Twitter. Are you ready?
And now it's time for Rapid Fire. We're going to start with a listener question from Dan in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Dan says he's a Blue Jays fan, and he wants to know what we think of Teoscar Hernandez, the trade with Seattle, and who the Jays should get to replace him in their outfield. Well, I think the reliever was a pretty good pickup uh, in in the trade. He's got a good arm. He's He's got good numbers. Relievers are just so touch and go year to year it's it's always tough like really there's there's only so many uh, great relievers that are consistent all the time and that's the only thing that kind of worries me of, of trading a, uh, a regular player for for uh, somebody that, that, that that's a reliever especially a guy that's an impact bat but there are guys out there that are apparently in on Cody Bellinger Michael Conforto could be another fit Brendan Nimmo could be a fit too I know they've talked about moving Springer out of center field so maybe they they find a spot there as well I don't know that this is a huge blow to the Blue Jays lineup like a lot of people say it is uh, but as well you are giving away a, a pretty steady bat and an all-star He's kind of sitting in the same spot for me as uh, as the uh, who was the second baseman that left uh, and went to Texas and was pretty average after Marcus Simeon. Marcus Simeon. This is a Marcus Simeon situation for me, but for a reliever, you never know how that's going to go. Rashad, you're the Jays fan. What do you think? Yeah, I don't think this is as big a deal as um, so many of my friends on Facebook were trying to make it out to be. I think um, this is honestly in the grand scheme of things. If the Jays get um, a good, better bullpen, we're gonna we're not gonna think of this as a major uh, sort of a piece of the off season. You had to give up something, in my opinion. Like, and who else are you going to give up on? Bichette or Vlad? Like, yeah, absolutely uh, not. <laughs> I, I don't think you're doing that. And plus, you're a right heavy lineup uh, by opening this spot and getting rid of Teoscar for bullpen help that you desperately needed. Because uh, we talked about last week what the Jays' number one priority should be, and that's the bullpen. Now you can get a, a lefty free agent outfielder to play, whether it's, I, I hope it's not Cody Bellinger for the yeah. Jays' sake. Yeah, like, that would be a bad call. I think that's a terrible call. He batted under 240 last week. Like, that's that's not the guy you want you know, to play in your lineup. I, uh, Nimmo, I like. Uh, I think that'd be a good pickup for them. Yeah. Well, it'd be interesting to see what the Jays do about this catcher position, too. Yeah, there are plenty of them. Got, they've got three good catchers, and, and the Tigers need a catcher. And the word's already spread around that uh, Alejandro Kirk might be available. And if that's the move, then I'm, I'm just going to become a CFL fan. because. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome aboard, man. Uh, on the record, that is no one that I would be thrilled with whatsoever getting traded to Detroit. Give us Moreno. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what we I don't know what we give up for him, but <laughs> here's the here's the left arm of Casey Mize. I don't know. <laughs> the right one don't work. <laughs> And here's another question from Steve in Amherstburg. As we record this, the New Jersey Devils are running a 13-game win streak. So Steve is asking, are the Devils now a legitimate Stanley Cup contender? To me, guys, they're not. Ooh. Like, wow. I don't I don't think they are. Like, um, okay, so you're riding a 13-game win streak. It's early in the season. You know, Boston looks better to me than New Jersey does. 
like the Bruins performing at the level that they've been. They're 17 and two. Uh, New Jersey 16 and three. They're close. Mm-hmm. But I mean, like the Bruins did that without Marshan at the beginning of the season. McAvoy just returned to the lineup and they were winning without those key guys. Um, you know, I, I think the Bruins are a better team than the, than the Devils right now. And the Devils haven't played playoff hockey in years. So, and we know that it's a different type of game come playoff time. You know, I'm, you know, the Devils, that's great. Show me more. It's still a long way till the playoffs begin in April. I do kind of see what you're saying, Manny, a little bit, because um, we've seen this before with teams that overachieve for a bit. Very often a 13-game winning streak is then followed by a 7- or an 8-game losing streak, and then suddenly nothing looks as impressive as it once did. Are you talking about your Canucks again? Wow. No, <laughs> no. My goodness. All, all right. So, Steve in, in Amherstburg. Uh, no, they're not Stanley <laughs> Cup contenders. <laughs> I thought you were going to go the other way, Matt. So I thought you were going to go the other way. <laughs> Look at this. I didn't go all the way back to the 13-game winning streak, but I went back a few games. At the time that we record this, for the month of November, this is the teams, or these are the teams that they've beaten. Vancouver once, Edmonton twice, Calgary twice, Ottawa twice, Arizona, Montreal, and Toronto in overtime. I see... Three playoff teams in that list of games. One of them was in overtime. Calgary's nowhere near where they should be. And Edmonton is Edmonton as volatile as they, they normally are, it seems. This this stretch in November is not really I mean, wins are great, but wins aren't that impressive when you match up with who they've got. Coming up for the next in the next little bit, they go they're home to Washington, they're in New York to play the Rangers, then they've got a few other light games on the schedule. Like this could go on for a while and they could be in a really good spot. But check in with us at the end of December early January when they've gone home to Florida in Carolina in Florida home to Boston home to Boston again in Pittsburgh home to Carolina let's check on January the 2nd after that stretch and see where New Jersey is yeah that's a very good point well researched Matt well done (laughs) well I had a lot of time on my hands because I don't have anything else on my hands unlike John who was covered in placenta <laughs> so, what about Kale McCarr becoming the fastest defenseman to record 200 points in NHL history? Ben in London writes in and says, "We know that he can score, but is he the best all-around defenseman?" Ooh, that's a defenseman. Yeah, that's that's spicy. Okay, okay. Um, like. He controls the game so much with his puck possession play and the way he can move the puck. Like, that helps out the defense. But best all-around defenseman? Wow. Like, he's 24. He's young. So, you know, in in five, ten years from now, we may be talking about how he's the greatest since Bobby Orr, uh, the way he's putting up points, right? Uh, He's got 20 points this season. He's a plus seven. But Darlene in Buffalo has 20 points, and he's a plus six. So should we be saying the same thing about him? 
right? So right. Yeah. I, I think McCarr's a great player. I think he's close, but let's see him do it a little bit more. Again, same align, aligns along the New Jersey Devils. Um, he's great offensively, but an all-around defenseman, um, I, I don't know. I'd still probably take Hedman. Listen, the way the NHL is going right now, it is about scoring and it is about offense. There is no defenseman in the NHL that controls the puck, that can run a power play, and is essentially a fourth forward for any team in any league than Kale McCarr. He is outstanding. He might be one of the best, if not already the best, puck-handling defensemen in the history of the game. I mean, I'll I'll give you Victor Hedman. And if I'm making a list, Victor Hedman's probably number two. But Kale McCarr right now already a Stanley Cup under his belt and only going to get better is as good as it gets for me. There's no doubt he's great offensively. He's fantastic offensively. But can you pin him in his own end when he doesn't have the puck? Quite honestly, I don't know the answer to that because I haven't watched a lot of Colorado Avalanche play. But as I mentioned before, sometimes the best defense is offense, right? And Kale McCarr has plenty of that. One of the reasons that you don't see a lot of defensive gems from Kale McCarr is if you get a chance to watch some of his shifts, he doesn't have to play defense very often. He's chasing the puck. He might be, you know, he's only going to get stronger too. He's got to get better on the wall. He's got to get better in corners, 100%. But he has a way of getting the puck out of those situations and turning the puck the other way like no one I've ever seen. And now we have a question from our good friend Rob in Owen Sound, who wonders about Shane Wright. The Seattle Kraken used a new rule in the collective bargaining agreement that allows the NHL teams to send a 19-year-old to the AHL on a 14-day conditioning stint after being a healthy scratch for five games. Rob wants to know if Wright should be back in the OHL. I think we talked about this at draft time too, yep. right? Like, yep. he should be back in the OHL. If, if he's not playing 13 to 15 minutes a game in the NHL to help grow his game, then he shouldn't be at the NHL. He, he didn't win a scoring title last year in the OHL. He, he didn't lead his team to a championship. He didn't even lead his team to the Eastern Conference Final last year. Let him dominate the OHL. Let him play 20 to 25 minutes a game. That will help his development. Shane Wright should be in the OHL. Yep, I completely agree. He should be playing against people his own age, developing his skills, developing a ton of confidence if he dominates. There's no way he should be in the AHL. You know what? You you take him in the in the draft, fourth overall. Seattle, say whatever you want about Seattle. They're 10-5-3 at the time that we record this. Uh, I put as much weight to them as I do the New Jersey Devils right now. But to be able to put him in the AHL, I think one of the most important things that you see with young kids when it comes to development is playing against older players. I think there is a huge value in that, and I think there's a big, an even bigger value in a player that has never really struggled dealing with struggling. Putting him back in the OHL where he's just going to light that league on fire and be one of the older guys, 
I think looks great for him on his elite prospects. But if this is a guy that you think is going to be the center of your franchise and a guy that you're going to build around, you've got to make him uncomfortable now. You've got to put him against professional players. You've got to put him on in situations that he is struggling in. He's got one assist in seven games. Should Seattle be playing him on a regular basis, 18 to 20 minutes as a forward in the NHL? Maybe he's not there. Maybe that's fine. But he gets a chance to go to the AHL on, like you said, a 14-day conditioning stint. Who knows? Let's say there's four or five games in there. You're going to play a bunch of goofballs in the AHL that are in their 30s that have nowhere else to go and are going to get in his face. He's going to get a chance to play on the power play, I would expect. He's going to be in different situations that he's not used to. To me, that's a better development plan for that little window of time to see what he can do in that situation than just sending him back to the OHL and dominating again. But he's only 19, Matt. Like, he's got all the time in the world. He needs to gain some confidence and play consistently. Um, I, I think there's just too much great of a risk that he still falters at the AHL and his confidence level is shot. But it's 14 days. I mean, if he goes five games and doesn't score a point in the AHL and he gets roughed up and thrown around and stuff like that, I mean, doesn't that give Seattle an even bigger opportunity or more background so that they they can send him on his way or or do whatever they, they need to do with him at this point? I, I think there's so much growth experience in doing this as opposed to just going back to your comfort zone at any age. Then, then just sending him back and say, okay, well, go score five points a game and, and go beat up on the, the Niagara Ice Dogs, and now you're feeling confident. We'll just bring you back up here again, and you're going to do the same thing. There's, there's no doubt, though, that he's going to play for Canada at the World Juniors. After this AHL stint done, Seattle's going to send him back to play at the World Juniors. They better. we got to beat Morocco. <laughs> Wait, wrong, wrong sport, wrong sport. Never mind, do, never mind. Do they have a hockey team? Uh, wrong sport, wrong sport. <laughs> that Croatian soccer team, you got, or baseball, or hockey team, you got you to gotta watch out for that. <laughs> Don't you know, pump it up. You've got to pump it up. And now it's time for Pump It or Dump It. Using the suggestion from Tony and Hamilton, we are playing the songs of the World Cup. There are four of them, and last week's was a dud. So here's this week's submission. That song is called Hey Ya Hey Ya Better Together by Trinidad Cordona, Davido, and Aisha. So fellas, pump it or dump it. Rashad, what was the name of that song again? (laughs) (laughs) Hey Ya Hey Ya Better Together. (laughs) I sound so cool saying it, don't I? (laughs) That's a fantastic song. I'm pumping that song. I'm pumping that song. Yeah. That one's got, it's a little bit more upbeat. 
Yeah, 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 I'm pumping it too. Yeah, I'm pumping, I'm pumping it that song. Yeah, it here we go. <laughs> I love the song. I love the idea of getting everybody together and all that. And you know what's going to unite people? How everybody hates this stupid song. <laughs> <laughs> you can find my worst enemy, and him and I are going to listen to this song. And at the end of it, you know what? You know what? You and I do have something in common. Who the hell is Trinidad, Cardona, Avito, and Aisha? Come on. This song was playing in the car as John was hands deep in placenta. And they were singing it together. Everyone was better together, including the 10 puppies in the back of the car. Your turn, Jill. Hey, uh, hey, uh, better together. <laughs> <laughs> All the boy dogs, your turn. Hey, hey. <laughs> and, then, and then the next song on the track was Who Let the Dogs Out? John did. John did. John, 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 John. <laughs> we finally know the answer. <laughs> finally. <laughs> And that brings this week's debate to an end. <laughs> <laughs> really? No, let's keep going. Come on. Have some fun here. <laughs> oh, by, by the way, the placenta count? Seven. We seven. seven on the show. Knocked it, knocked it out of the park. Listen, <laughs> you can follow us all week long on social media. We got more videos in there than you can imagine. The only video we don't have is... <laughs> <laughs> the birth videos so it's okay it's not just going to drop in your feed one day podcast FFT on twitter and instagram for future considerations on facebook wait a minute did you do video of that oh god no 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 were you parked in maybe a parking lot that may have like some sort of security <laughs> cameras or anything like that oh man Next time, John. Next time. That's right. That's right. <laughs> He's not getting anything for it. This ended up costing him like 150 bucks. I don't believe it. <laughs> They're not even going to give you like a gift card or anything? Something like Babies R Us? Or something? <laughs> he comes out of the car. Ace Ventura, do not go in there. <laughs> <laughs> we want to thank our sponsors on this episode maybe we can hit them up for a car wash london <laughs> awnings quality that shows and shane topolovic of next level athletics in windsor specializing in sport training and nutrition <laughs> And don't forget, if you have any questions for an upcoming debate, send us an email at fourfutureconsiderations at gmail.com. And use that same email to try to beat John's story, and I call bullshit on anything that gets sent in there, because there's no way, there's no way any of you animals got something better than me. There is no way. Oh, man. <laughs> Well, Manny's going to go find a bar somewhere. I might do the same thing. John's going to go take a shower. Thanks for listening. I'll catch up with you next time on For Future Considerations. That was a disgraceful performance, in my opinion. In my opinion, that sucked. Their mentality's awful. Their attitude's awful. It's been their M.O. for the last three years. Tonight I saw and heard 
one of the most disgusting, rudest, sick demonstrations in my entire career. Probably the worst. It's garbage. And the editor that let it come out is garbage. You're still here? It's over. Go home.